Hey guys, good to see you again. Uh, I know that there is so much going on in y'all's lives right now. Like Dr. Week said, I know it's homecoming week for a lot of you and follies and all the things going on at school. Um, so I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you made it. Thanks for coming. Um, if we haven't met yet, my name's Jesse. Uh, and tonight we're gonna be talking about solitude, which I know sounds like this big word, but stick with me, like this is not gonna be a time where I'm gonna tell you, hey guys, so solitude, prayer, all of these things is this time where you need to get up each and every day and you gotta get up at 8 a.m. You need to spend 30 minutes doing this and five minutes doing this and 10 minutes doing this. This isn't gonna be any sort of uh, time where I'm giving you this formula of, of any kind. Um, but solitude and rest has been something I've been thinking about in my own life and as I've thought about it, this quote came up that I, I'm going to hand it to you. When I say it, it's going to sound really pretentious because it's from Augustine, but I really love this quote, and it's something that just like comes up in my life every so often. And so I'm going to read you the quote, and I'm going to tell you why I love the quote so much. And he says, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So I was thinking about it, I was like, why do I love this quote so much? And I realized there's so many different times in my own life where my heart feels restless, whether that's because uh, I'm actually physically tired, I physically have not gotten rest, or I'm restless because I'm in a season where I'm like, I have no idea what's next, whether that's a job or um, a place I'm gonna live or um, restless in my relationships, whether that's my friendships or my family. and. I know for so many of us, we experience those seasons in our life where there's restlessness, where we're like, God, like, what is going on? I'm just restless, I'm restless. And I come back to this place where I realize, like, I've been searching in all these different places for rest, except for the Lord. And so the question I have for us tonight is, how do you rest in God? What does that really practically look like in our lives? And I think that there, are a lot of different ways that we can rest in God, but the, tonight the way that we're gonna focus on is in the practice and discipline of solitude. And so my hope is that we can get past thinking of solitude as like this solemn ancient practice or something that's for monks or something that's for introverts or something like that, but that it's actually a really good thing um, that's for all of us and is something that Jesus practiced himself. And so this is a practice that's not about like adding more things to your life, but really it's, it's removing things. You know, our life is filled with so much just input all the time, right? And uh, a couple of days ago, I was sitting in the group with a couple of girls and we were all talking about how in our lives, uh, whether it's like we're cleaning our house or we're driving in our car, wherever, wherever it is that we're at, that there's always just like this noise, right? Like we could be cleaning and there's a TV show in the background that we might be listening to, we might not be, or there's always music on, there's always a podcast, like just some kind of input. And like if we really wanted to, like we could just completely eradicate all silence from our life, really, like if we wanted to. And so, as I was listening to, to them talking about this, like I sat there and I was thinking, I was like, do I relate to this? Have I, do I do that in my own life? And I realized that there's a lot of times where when I'm in groups of people or whatever it is, that there's a lot of anxiety 
when there's silence. That um, when it's silent, I'm like, okay, somebody turn some music on. Somebody turn something on. It's too, it's too quiet in here. The silence is just way too loud. And uh, sometimes it's easier to just, whether you're by yourself or you're with people, to just distract, 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 than just to have create those spaces where we can um, really just sit with our thoughts and uh, have some space to to see like what's going on, what's going on in our heart, what's going on in our mind. And so the place that we're gonna sit in in the Bible tonight is that we're gonna look at a lot of different times when Jesus chose solitude. So like we've all heard different passages where um, Jesus is like, okay, I'm gonna go away. I'm gonna go spend some time away. I'm gonna go spend some time away. Um, But I think it's really interesting to look at all of the reasons why did Jesus go away? Like, what was the thing that happened or the conversation that happened that made Jesus say, okay, it's time for me to stop. And like tonight is called to take a moment and to just get away from what's going on, um, from what, from doing miracles, from, um, from sharing the good news or whatever that is. And it's time to, it's time to take a moment. And so we're going to hop all over the place, so you can try to like follow along in your Bible if you want, but we're going to have the scriptures on the back of the screen as well. Um, but our first scripture, we're going to be in Luke chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, and then we're going to skip ahead to 14 through 15. And so the first reason that Jesus went away was to prepare for a major task. So after Jesus was baptized, he spent 40 days just praying in the wilderness. Um, and after this, he was tempted by Satan, and then he began his, his public ministry. So let's start in verse 1. It says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So let's be just realistic for a second. Like, as we go through each of these examples, I'm not asking you, in in reading this first one even, to go away and spend 40 days in the wilderness, right? Like, we we don't have 40 days. But, like, take from this just, just the concept of Jesus saw that the majority of his life before this time, he'd been a carpenter, he'd been, um, he'd been learning, right? And he's about to go into this new season where he's going to be teaching people, where he's going to be doing miracles, like his, there's a shift in his life. And so for you and for me, we can look at this and say, okay, when I get to a point in my life where I'm experiencing a shift, where there's something different coming, like maybe it's a good time to take some time away and just seek the Lord, whether that's just sitting with him in silence, um, talking with him, listening to him, and knowing that we need that time when something's shifting in our life to, for our hearts to be prepared. Um, these disciplines are really just like, um, they're not the gold, right? Like a discipline, solitude, prayer, like these are just things that posture our hearts, um, to hear God the Father as we go along in whatever it is that he puts before us, right? So the second one is in um, Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 32. And it's to recharge after hard work. So Jesus had just sent the 12 disciples out to do ministry. And when when they returned from all the work that they had been doing, he encouraged them to just go and take some time. So verse 30, 
he says, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. What I love a lot about this example is that it's not one of Jesus being like, okay, disciples, like, bye, I'm gonna go away into the wilderness. But he's actually telling them like, hey, you guys have just been out doing some work. You've been doing some miracles. Like, it's, it's okay for you to take some rest, and there's no shame in that. Like, that is a part of it. And when I was reading this one, it made me think of uh, that verse that I have no idea where it's at, but that talks about not growing weary of doing good. And so, like, there's still, there's still good to be done, right? There's still people who are sick. There's still people, people who need to hear the good news. And Jesus is well aware of that. But he's like, a part of not growing weary of doing good is taking that time and that space that you need to, to rest, to have solitude. Um, that's an important piece of doing the other side of that, right? So the third one, uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14, verse 1, and it's to work through grief. Um, So I'm just going to give you a heads up with this passage. If you've never heard it before, it's a little graphic. It's about John the Baptist. And with each of these these chapters, like we're focusing on like Jesus's response, right? And um, and his reasoning for going away. So we're not digging into super big parts of each passage. So if any of it brings up questions for you that you want to talk about later, um, please feel free to ask me or Dr. Weeks or um, Evan about anything that comes up for you. Um, so verse 1 says, At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He's been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. So Herod is thinking that Jesus is John the Baptist. And then going on in verse 3, He says, For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod, so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. So here in this moment, like, that's graphic. Like, not only did his cousin and the man who baptized him just die, but he was murdered, right? He died in a really very difficult, tragic way. And Jesus takes that time to be like, okay, I need to, I need to go find a place, and I need to grieve this. And I think this is such a, a good thing for us to notice this, because there's going to be times in our life where we experience grief, right? When we experience hard things and we all have different ways that we deal with that, whether it's to just keep on going to the next thing um, and stuff it down or um, pretend like it's not happening, whatever that thing is for you. Um, But that grief, whether we just keep on going, 
like it still sits there, right? It comes up later. And so Jesus here is showing like, hey, when you're experiencing grief, stop, take a moment, process that grief, um, process it with the Lord, process it with a friend, um, process it with someone that you trust, um, and pro- truly like, process it with the Lord. Take the space that you need for that. And um, that's just, that's an important part of our lives. And um, yeah, okay, so the next one is in uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 12 through 13, and it's before making an important decision. So early in Jesus' ministry, he just, he spent the whole night alone in prayer, and the next day he chose his 12 disciples. Um, so let me read the verse, starting in verse 12. He says, in these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles. Um, So Jesus had an important decision before him. He's like, I know that I need to take the space. I need to take the time um, to go out. And before I make this important decision of who this close circle of people is going to be around me, I I need to have time in solitude uh, to just get some wisdom before I make this decision. And like with the first one where I'm like, okay, I'm not telling you you need to go away for 40 days, right? Um, Am I telling you that you need to spend all night praying, right? Well, not necessarily, but I think there's those times in our lives where we have an important decision before us, whether that's um, something with a job or friends or after school or something going on in your life right now where we're going to sleep at night and we're so worked up about whatever this is, about what, what's the right decision, what do I do about this thing that we can't go to sleep. And I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I experience those moments in my life, I, my first instinct is to just grab my phone and be like, okay, I'll just like scroll and watch some funny videos and hopefully like my mind will be able to turn off and not think about this right now and I'll be able to go to sleep. Um, but that doesn't really deal with like the stress of the thing that I'm thinking about, right? Like it just pushes it to the side for a moment and then it comes back up later. And so I'm challenging myself in this and I wanna challenge you as well that if, if that's something you experience that instead of grabbing your phone or whatever that, that distraction is for you to um, maybe, it can, you can stay in your bed right there or to just like get up and walk around and just talk it out to the Lord of just like, oh gosh, God, like, I don't know what to do about this thing. I don't know what the right decision is. I don't know um, how to process this, how to deal with this, but like, I know that you do. I know that you see so much more of this than I do. And so like, I just, I need you to, I need you to give me peace, even if you're not going to give me an answer of what the next step is. Like, I just need your peace um, so that I can trust you, that you are going to take care of me, that you are going to provide for me, that when you say that you're faithful and you say that you're good, that you mean those things. Um, and sometimes that doesn't, that doesn't always make the anxiety go away, but I think it's a step in the right direction of just putting those things before the Lord. So let's go to Luke chapter 22, verse 39. Um, so another time that we see Jesus go away into solitude is when he's in a time of distress. So this is hours before Jesus was arrested. He went to the Mount of Olives and he went a short distance away from his disciples to pray. Um, And, you know, just he was in a great emotional agony, agony because of what he was about to face, right? And so verse 39 says, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. 
And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may, enter, may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood, falling down to the ground. So I, in no way, shape, or form, want to compare the distress and the things that we will experience in our life to what Jesus is about to face on the cross. That being said, Jesus himself said that in this world we will face trouble, right? That we will face things that are hard, and this prayer that Jesus is saying right here where he's like, God, like, if, if this thing that you have put before me to do, like, I, I will do it. Like, if that's what you want me to do, I will do it. But if there is any way possible that I could not do this thing, that you could take this, take this from me, like, please, please do it. Please take it from me. And like, there, I've had those moments in my life where there's been those hard things where I'm just like, Lord, I don't know if I can do this thing. But like, if it's what you want me to do, then like, I need you to give me strength. I need you to give me whatever fill-in-the-blank thing is in order for me to, to do that thing. And guys, like, God is so comfortable with that honesty that you don't have to pretend that the thing that is put before you is not hard or that it's not scary or that it's, it's not difficult to do, but you can, you can be honest with the Lord of like, hey, I, I want to follow you, God. I want to do um, what you want me to do. I, I want to do the right thing, but like, I am intimidated by this. I, I don't know what to do with this. And like, that is what a relationship with the Lord is. It's a, it's a conversation. It's not this heavenly father who is saying, here's all my commands, go out and do it. Um, and if you don't do it, I'm gonna be upset with you. I hope you figure it out. Like that is not who he is. Like he is so loving and gracious and kind that when you face things that are hard, like he wants to walk alongside you in that thing. So the last one is in Luke chapter 5, verse 12 through 16, and it's to focus on prayer. So many times in Jesus' ministry, he, he spent time alone in prayer. He did a miracle, and then he would withdraw to spend time um, in solitude. So verse 12 says, While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So like I already, I already kind of talked about this earlier, but like Jesus, I, and honestly, I don't think ever in my life I've seen it as clearly or noticed this whenever I've read this, these passages, but like it's talking about how there's still so much good things to be done. There are still sick people there. There are still people who need to hear the good news, but Jesus, it's in verse 16, says, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Like that was a part of Jesus's ministry, a part of Jesus's life that could not be put to the side, that could not be ignored or taken out just because there was more good to be done. And I don't know what that tension is in your life of, of what, whatever the, the pressures are that you feel that you're like, 
Okay, like I know that there, there's this good thing here that I need to be doing or this space that I need to take um, to process something that's gone on in my life or that I just need some time for my thoughts. I just need some time with the Lord to pray and to, f- to figure this out and to have some questions answered. But like I have to do this thing or I have to do, have this conversation or do this X, Y, Z, whatever that is. And I want you to see here that like the Lord had those things too. He had, he had the, the people that were still following him everywhere he went, hearing what he was doing and saying like, Lord, heal me, heal me. And it wasn't that the Lord didn't have compassion for those things. Um, there's even the, a story where, um, I, I think it's right before he feeds the 5,000 where like they were trying to go off and the Lord is like, he had compassion for them and he stops and he's like, okay, let's take care of these people that are here. And, but his life is very balanced and having having that solitude and having the times where he's with the crowds and then also having the times when he's in those smaller spaces of community, when he's just with his 12 disciples. And so this whole message is really so much about solitude, but I don't want you to hear that I'm telling you that your life should just be all solitude or be all just time away from people. Like uh, Jesus's life was spent with people and in times of solitude and Together, that is what, what made his life whole, right? He needed both of those things in his life. And as you spend time in solitude, you'll start to feel that, the, the hurriedness, that the restlessness even that is, is in our hearts. Like, it's just not compatible with one another. Solitude and hurry, they just, they just don't go together. And when you t- try to sit down and have those times where you're just, you're sitting there and you're like, okay. I'm sitting in my chair, I may be outside, I'm inside, like I'm just trying to be quiet, I've put my distractions away, I'm not necessarily reading a book or anything, but like, it's sometimes hard to sit still, it's it's hard to quiet your thoughts, and um, I don't think that solitude means that your, your brain needs to just be completely empty, like whatever thoughts come up in that time, like those are things that you can put before the Lord of like, oh my gosh, I'm suddenly thinking of that that thing that person said and it really bothered me and like, I don't know what to do about that. Or now I'm suddenly thinking about this paper that I'm so stressed about or um, this conversation that I have that just really just rubbed me the wrong way. Whatever that thing is, you don't have to like try to be like, throw it to the mountain. Like God knows that you're human. God knows that you have things on your heart that you're thinking about. And so whatever comes up in that time, like make make that a part of it. And The question that I want to leave you with is how many times a week um, are you really just truly alone with your thoughts? Like I said earlier, we can, if we wanted to, like eradicate our lives of all silence, of all solitude. And so like, I don't want you to, I'm not wanting you to think of that in a way of like, okay, like I have five times a week where I'm spending time in solitude. So like success, like that's not what I'm wanting. Like I'm not wanting you to necessarily put a number on it at all. Um, but more so seeing like the framework of all the reasons why Jesus went away and spent times in solitude. Like think of those things when those things come up in your life, when you're like, I have to make a decision. Um, some, I'm grieving something. I'm in distress. I need some wisdom. Like think of those things as, um, signs to you of now would be a good time for me to find some solitude. And it's not, okay, I spent five times in solitude this week, so, like, I'm good, right? And thinking about what if finding peace and rest 
isn't about inputting more, but actually about just turning some things off in our lives so that we can find comfort and rest and peace in the presence of God. Because God is always here, right? But sometimes we just, we can't see him and we can't hear him because there's so much um, going on around us. There's so much that we're listening to that it's, it's hard to hear him. It's hard um, because our hearts and minds are just so captivated by other things. And so I've realized in thinking about this that sometimes I can't stop myself from being anxious or from even being depressed or being overwhelmed, but I can make space for rest and Sabbath and solitude and invite God into my thoughts and into my circumstances because I can't overcome anything without the Lord and neither can you. And so my hope is that this just gives you the space to reflect on your own life and recognize the places where the volume is just turned up really loud and maybe it's time to get comfortable in the silence. I know that silence can be loud on its own, like it, it, it can be so uncomfortable, but I think the more time we allow in our lives for God to be present with us in the silence, it just, it begins to feel a little less loud because we aren't intimidated by what the silence will reveal. So pray with me. God, I thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness. I thank you for the ways that um, you just show up in our lives and you care for us, God, and you, you want to walk alongside us in the things that we're experiencing and the, the things that we're facing, God, that um, you, wanna, you want to help us to find rest in you, true rest where we don't feel like um, we're running with, like chickens with our heads cut off all the time, God, but that no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what's going on um, around us, that there would just be this peace that surpasses our understanding that is in our hearts and in our minds, God. Thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so every week we like to spend uh, a couple minutes just having a time of corporate prayer. So we're going to split up into groups of you know, three or four. Keep it a little smaller. That way you, you have just some good time to, to pray for each other. And the room is yours. You can spread out wherever you like. And uh, Dr. Weeks will come up in a few minutes and we're going to end the night in a time of communion. Yes.